welcome to the audacity i'm so excited to be here i have such a good episode written out even though i just came up with it a couple hours ago that's not the point it's a good episode and i might have had a glass of vino so this will really be good so i just want to say thank you so much for listening like for real i really appreciate it um this podcast is like really just my outlet to get out my thoughts on like what's happening and be a part of the discourse and also I think it's my way of like one thing I realized through my education or lack thereof whatever um is that I love academia and I love scholarship, but I think the biggest problem to me is that it's not like simply said. It's like all these big and grander words, grander words to be like to say a simple idea that's really A plus B equals C. So this is really the podcast to say A plus B equals C. It's the proof is in the motherfucking pudding, and I'm so I'm excited. And um, normally, like when I don't have nothing to talk about, I like I'll try to break it up and have you know pieces but when it's something that's really important and it's all I can think about like it's I have to get it out it's word vomit it's not though because it's you know thought out but I have to get my thoughts out because I'm just so excited to have a medium to talk about whatever I'm thinking about and just lay it out lay it on the carpet and I think too is like normally when I say things it's a debate and here there's no debate like it's fact because it's here and there's no one to argue with me or make me make me feel like I'm wrong. So welcome to the motherfucking audacity. I have the audacity to say what I want to say, the courage, and I won't back down. I can't back down. Okay, no camp rock. I will try my best not to sing, but I'm in a musical mood. Trigger warning. <laughs> so yeah. This is going to be a good episode, and it is titled, What is Mine is Not Yours, and it needs to be that dramatic, An Examination of Black Cultural Ownership. Um, And this title is from one of my good friends, Tierney. They came up with this title. They're the person who I bounce all my ideas off of for the podcast. They are one of the smartest people that I know, and they were also with me at one of the most traumatic periods of my life, high school. So thank you, Tierney, for the title, and thank you for letting me bounce my ideas off of you. But let's get into it. So first and foremost, this is like the preface, like, if you're not down with this, you need to listen. I was going to say click off, but don't click off. Be uncomfortable and listen. I think part of a part of learning is being uncomfortable um, and, ex- and examining why you're uncomfortable and then pushing past that. So... I'm starting off this episode with saying, I am gatekeeping black culture. I am one of those people to say, don't fucking do it. Because I don't go, I don't, I don't exist in other people's culture or go into other people's culture because I like my culture. I like where I'm at. And not to say that I'm opposed to learning and engaging and understanding, but I know the lines not to cross and what not to do and what not to say. And it seems like no one ever gets black people the same respect. And I know why that happens because black people don't garner that same respect. Black people don't get respect and black people are expected not to expect respect. (laughs) I hope that made sense, but that made sense. Like we are expected, uh, let me say like this. Everybody has a lane and black people and everybody's always in black people's lane because they think that we don't deserve that lane. And that's not fucking fair. Like I, I wouldn't engage in someone's culture disrespectfully, but it seems like that's not the case. Like for us, no one ever thinks about that for us. So this is what this episode is going to be about. And I'm going to talk about aesthetics. I'm going to talk about musically. I'm going to talk about linguistics. Um, cause I, I, and linguistics speaks to african-american vernacular english or black vernacular english whatever and if you call ebonics i'll fucking come through this mic and beat you uh don't do it unless you're black which that's yeah anyways (laughs) i'm sorry if i'm coming at y'all hella hard but this is actually something that like it really bothers me like it gives me the goosebumps it makes me so upset because i feel like i'm powerless and that's exactly what it's like to be black and be black and have other, you know, intersectional roads. And that's what you feel like when something happens to you is you feel very powerless. Like you feel like, how can I change this? Like, how can I not feel like this? And ultimately I hate to be a pessimist, but I think it's a realist. You can't, but 
it's not on us to change anything. It's on the people who are stealing our culture, which in- includes white people and non-black people of color, to change your fucking ways and stop making black people feel uncomfortable. Like, it's not a cute look. Like, it's really disgusting. Okay. Segwaying into what inspired me for this episode. So typically I have something that really inspires me to write, to like do an episode. Like this was so pressing. I had to take an hour out of my work day to type all of this up because it was so irritating. So earlier this week, Jesse Nelson, 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 whatever, irrelevant. She is an ex-member of Little Mix. Little Mix is a, a basically the equivalent of Fifth Harmony, but it's a UK version. Okay, per. Um, she left the group for mental health reasons out of nowhere. Um, and then everyone thought she was just going to like live her life, but she was like, no, ha ha bitch solo career. So, so she basically did a Camila Cabello. That is a fifth harmony reference, right? Okay. Per. That is also an African, per is an African, um, American vernacular English word. Okay. Um, and she dropped the song called Bad Boys with Nicki Minaj, and I put in my notes, woozy face, and that's an emoji, so look up woozy face emoji. <laughs> and basically, Jesse Nielsen is a white British woman. Um, yeah, just summed up. She's a white British woman, and in Little Mix, there's only one black girl who's in the group, so she's already pretty ostracized, and side note, like, racism is bad for black people everywhere like across the diaspora across the globe i'm pretty sure in other universes and galaxies but i hope you're not doing this dumb shit in other universes and galaxies um and so like her experience i can imagine even though she is lighter skin and appears to be mixed race and that's what they call it abroad i'm not saying that to but that's what they say in the uk mixed race that's like actually a box to check um, and I can imagine that it's really bad. Um, and if you're looking for a book to read about kind of race and imperialism and colonialism in the UK, it's a book that's called Why I'm No Longer Talking About Race to White People by Renee Eddy Lodge, Edda Lodge. It's actually a really insightful book that talks about like how everyone thinks that the UK is kind of separated from slavery because there were no slaves that were technically on the land. And that's actually not true. Like they have slave ports, um, in like for example Liverpool they have a slave port uh, or um a port for enslaved people because that's actually the proper way to say it is enslaved people because they were in, like they were forced to be um in chattel slavery not that they chose that um and so yeah it's a really good book and it kind of talks about race and race is really nuanced there because like one thing I was when I was studying abroad and I came back home, I realized I was really grateful, which is crazy to say, to be black in America because there's so much literature, there's so many intellectually great thinkers who have, you know, written the stories and the histories and the theories of black people in America versus there. They're kind of late to the game and, and obviously it's not their fault, but there it's a new every I think that every black diaspora di, diaspora and every section of where in region of where black people are everyone's experience is a little nuanced and different ultimately it's white supremacy but I think like as a black person too like we have a duty to learn about the other experiences of people across the diaspora so yeah that's a whole that's a total that's a total side note but anyways yeah so back to Jesse Nielsen her white ass so she released a song in a music video and she samples bad boys for life by Diddy and her exact lyrics are be a nice little boring when you in between the sheets. When I write the hee-haw, you know, I know how to please you. Got a, a little attitude, but I think he's kind of cute. So hood. So good. So damn taboo. What? Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. I can't believe she said that. Okay. No, you know how to please me. Like a raw baby's shashimi. Sashimi? <laughs> I'm drunk. Sorry. <laughs> Can you believe she said that? Like, that's extremely racial. And I know that I'm going to have to go back and break down why it's racial. I was hoping that I could move forward, but I know I can't. She's basically going back to the stereotypical archetype of black men that they are animalistic and virile sexually, that they are there to sexually please you and that that is their main role. And it's that harkens back to chattel slavery. Like, oh my God, this is in a song in 2021. Not surprised, but let me fiend surprised. Um, and she's also saying that black men are inherently seen as bad boys. And I'm like, bitch, the fuck? Like, girl, like, that's a bad look. Like, that's not good. I don't, 
I'm not going to go any deeper to that, but she's basically comparing black men to slave days. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And a little update is Nicki Minaj defended her, which, that's like, that's like reaffirming that she's fucked up. Like, girl, and then she basically said, Nicki Minaj is basically like talking about, just focus on the wrong things. Like, girl, address the fact that you're silencing a rape victim a rape survivor with who your husband raped like what but this is real this isn't a comedy this isn't another world another place this is here wow right and so this okay okay let me finish let me finish so then in her music video she also looks racially ambiguous like she has a loose curl texture a wig obviously um and she like i said she embodies black movements and archetypes with her mannerisms and like wearing baggy clothes and black people like are demonized for wearing baggy clothes or sagging like even by our own families which is out of respectability politics which i'll get into later but when white people do this look they are like wow bitch you're really doing the thing like it's groundbreaking it's something new but when black people do it we're criminalized and I know you're thinking like, Leah, it's not that big of a deal, but it really is because what it does is it reinforces this idea in people's mind that black people are bad, that black people um, shouldn't be doing these things. And that then directly turns into the safety, our, our literal safety, how people think. Like you think of Ahmaud Arbery. Think about what those white people thought when they gunned him down and he was running. Like we have these things in our media and in our news cycle and all these things that reinforce these ideas about black people. And then that turns into actual violence because people don't have common sense. People are fucking dumb and people don't pick up a book to read. Like you're being peddled this information, bro. Like this isn't based in fact. It's not based in realness. But that that doesn't matter, right? It it's it matters how someone. One thing I'm realizing it's it's all about perception, and perception can turn into action and violence. And that doesn't mean that it's it's true or it's fact. So that's why this is really problematic that she's doing it because it reinforces that what she is doing and how she's benefiting and profiting is good. But when black people do it, it's bad. We look bad. And her lyrics are basically saying that. It reinforces that black men are hood, they're bad, their, their sole purpose is to provide pleasure for women, white women. <laughs> That's really fucked up, bitch. Right? Okay. So, we're going to move into aesthetics, right? Um, and why I really want to talk about, this might be a long episode, y'all, I'm sorry, but why I really want to talk about aesthetics is because... Sorry, I got distracted. Why we want to talk about aesthetics is because white people and non-black people of color, and I'm, when I say white people, I'm also including non-black people of color because there are non-black people of color who pass as white, and there are also non-black people of color who exhibit anti-blackness towards black people. Like, what people don't understand is nobody likes black people, and I know that that's not outlandish to say. It's really true, and even black people don't like black people, but that's another conversation for a different day. So... They're constantly stealing the visual aesthetic of black women. So some I'm going to refer to pop culture and then I'm going to go to like normal culture because pop culture is a world of its own. So you have the Kardashians, duh. I will also link Woe Vicky's social media, but Woe Vicky is a white girl who literally talks like a black woman and it's confusing. And she also wears like black hair, like black hair aesthetics and textures, whatever. Woe Vicky slash bad baby, neither here nor there. Billy Eyelash. I said eyelash. I don't know how to spell her last name. So Billy Eyelash. Why I'm saying to her. Why I'm saying her is because she, her aesthetic is Aaliyah's aesthetic. Your love is a one in a million. It goes on and on and on. Her right. Okay. Queen. Set the standard. Set the bar. Wow. Um. But she said it was like she, she was just pulling back from a time in history and it was internet looks and all this other stuff. But it's basically Aaliyah style. And what's and we're gonna reference back to those internet looks and internet vibes. How black culture has essentially become everybody's culture, and it's so ingrained that people can't even look back historically to say that it's not even yours. Okay, but set that aside. We'll come back to that. So then you have Nikita Dragon, who is, I believe, Asian and Mexican, but I'm unsure of her ethnic group within the Asian category. So I'm sorry about that. I, I'm just not sure, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. But she is a person of color who is constantly cosplaying blackness, 
but it's a little bit nuanced actually it's not nuanced she is trans and whenever someone attacks her she says it's because she's trans but it's like no bitch it's because you're doing something you're not supposed to do like she was wearing box braids we're gonna get into that later but don't fucking do that like don't no explanation but don't do that she's wearing box braids she's constantly darkening her skin like all this dumb shit where it's like and her whole brand is enraging black women which I was watching, you should watch her. She's a trans YouTuber. Her name is Cat Black. And she talks about this, how there's a market in enraging black people, segue, black women, black outrage. That's a market. People want to do that because it draws publicity. And then you have some haters who are like, oh, black people don't like it. I'm super going to support. Like, you're, f okay. And then we have Ariana Grande, which I love positions. I have the vinyl, don't get me wrong. But when she was coming up in her pop girl stage before she really got cemented, like she was kind of doing her thing. She was darkening her skin and I don't get why like and when she was with Big Sean too she was darkening her skin and I don't get that and so we're about to jump into that for normal everyday people let's talk about it what's your obsession with tanning like that's weird to me like whenever a white person or a person of color who's pale says oh like I'm really ready to get a tan uh, like I really want to get darker I look at myself and I say so it's okay when you want to get darker but because I'm naturally dark bitches want to have a problem like bitches already <laughs> I need to stop calling people bitches, but bitches for real though. Bitches already have a problem. Bitches look at me like I'm the problem because my skin is naturally dark. So I know whenever, and even, I'm sorry about my best friend Nick under the bus, but he does that shit. And I'm like, don't do, I, I don't care about you getting a tan, bruh. Like there are actual people whose skin is, and even like people who are lighter skinned, biracial, multiracial, whatever, even the lightest hint of melanin and your skin complexion is a problem. So like, what's your obsession with getting tan and looking dark? Like if you're pale, you're pale. That like, wasn't there a time when Edward Cullen looked cute and y'all liked that paleness? Like what, what happened? Okay, then we jump to acrylic nails. Bitch, that's a black thing. Like bitches, black women were wearing acrylic nails and like all this gold jewelry and their nails were cute. Like what the fuck? And now everybody has acrylic nails and now everybody wants some long ass nails. Billy Eyelash, for example, and you regular hoes too. Well, I'm not gonna call you hoes. That's, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be, okay, whatever. And then you got baggy clothing, like this vintage 90s Y2K style coming back. That's heavily influenced by black people, period. And now everybody's wearing that. But when black people wear baggy clothes and we sag, it's a problem. Sorry. I, I have a train that goes by my house. It sucks. Okay. And then you have 90s hairstyles that are coming back. Okay. Like a lot of 90s hairstyles are black, but okay. So now let's jump into getting braids of any kind. So if you look this up, Kim Kardashian got these braids. They're basically Fulani braids for black people who know what that is. Okay. They're basically Fulani braids. And, but when she got these braids, everyone's like, oh my God, Kim Kardashian has Bo Derek braids. It's so revolutionary. It's so new. And every black person was like, uh, what? Like, this isn't even her like hairstyle. This isn't even her culture. And everyone says, well, it's just a hairstyle. It's not that important. Okay. When I show up to work, let, let's get into why it's not important. This is important. When I show up to work and I wear my natural hair or I'm wearing braids or I'm wearing a different hairstyle that is not a straightened hairstyle, that's a problem. Like, I'm already deemed as ghetto. I'm already deemed as someone whose hair is unkempt. It's my natural hairstyle. It's my natural hair texture. And my hair texture is deemed as unkempt. So when I wear a protective style, A, to grow my hair or to protect my hair because I don't want it out, it's ghetto. But when Kim Kardashian does it, it's Bo Derek braids and they're cute. Like, that's a problem. And that's why people get mad when white people or non-black people of non-black people of color are wearing black hairstyles because it's like even black women can't do this without being criminalized, vilified, ghettoized. I know it's not a word, but deemed as ghetto. But white people and non-black people of color are allowed to do so and it's deemed as cute and they're hip and they're trendy. Like black culture is hip and trendy for everybody else but black people, even though we are the inventors of said culture, right? Okay. And then there's this aspect of respectability politics. And what respectability politics is, is I have to, I as a black woman, I have to conform and be appeasing to white people or whoever is in power in that place, um, which is essentially anti-blackness, or I will be punished. Um, and that goes to my hair, the way I dress, the way I appear, the way I talk, like the way I exist, period, end of story. My attitude, how I show up in a room, like literally everything is you know, examine from the ground up. 
And you know, one thing I used to always get to a lot is that I'm, I'm intimidating. And if you really know me, I'm not intimidating at all. And even a white girl told me I was intimidating. And I, I later told her, I'm like, you're racist because I'm not intimidating. You, what, what are you scared of? And I, and I think it was because I was black. Because if I was a white girl and I was the same way as I am, I'd be, ooh, she's so sassy. Like, look at her go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the white equivalent of, of is bad bitch, but basically bad bitch. I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know what the other translation is, but essentially, like, if I was a white girl, they would say, oh, oh she's a bad bitch. But that's the black way to say that. Okay, next. Um, and so it becomes this game of respectability politics that even black people, like, play into. Like, I remember one time I wanted to go to the store with my bonnet on. My mom was like, are you going to go to the store with your bonnet on? And I was like, fuck yes. Like, I don't want to take my hair down. I don't want to take it out. It's so much weird to get it back in. I'm going to the store with my bonnet on. And who going to fucking check me, boo? Y'all, I'm on one this podcast, but I, I'm on one period about this topic because it's upsetting. Like, it actually makes me feel so powerless. Like, when I when I was going through this whole thing and talking about this, I just felt so powerless. Like, what? how can I stop this? And I can't. It's the people who are doing this shit who need to stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Sorry. Go back to my little... Okay, that's Kamaya. Check her out queer rapper love her um but yeah and even black people pay into respectability politics because they want their kids or whoever to be deemed as not a bad black basically like literally that's what it comes down to and that's not okay but everybody else gets to participate and they're cool hip and trendy and i'm the bad black because i want to participate in my culture like that doesn't make any fucking sense and you know like i said in previous in a previous episode um your aesthetics are directly a connected as a black woman to your uh, your ability to have access to certain opportunities and as so white people are uplifted for black fishing but if i show up as my true self and i decide to be myself like the way i dress the way i speak the way i exist then i'm problematic and i risk the opportunity and the chance of losing access to opportunities to survive in this capitalistic world that's really fucked up. Like, and I, and I can think of multiple countless times that I've had to turn on. I'm going to do my code switch voice later. <laughs> but I, I think of multiple opportunities where I've had to directly change the way that I show up to be presentable and to be accessible so that I can move forward in life. And that, I mean, at the end of the day, that fucking sucks. Like, that's not the way the world should be, but it is. And you have, like, in some cases, you have to do that in order to move forward. And that makes me really upset because... I, no, no black person should ever have to change the way that they show up and exist to be accepted and to be able to move forward in life. But that's the game you got to play in this world and in America, right? Okay, next, next in aesthetics, we're gonna we're gonna get to. Yeah, this is gonna be a long episode. I'm looking at the time and like, bitch, I'm just only through aesthetics, and I have a lot to say because it's something it's something that really bothers me. Um, Okay, so next you have women who get their body done to be curvy, like black women are perceived to be. Perceived is the the proper word because it's a stereotype. And when I think about that, I think of Sarah Bartman. Sarah Bartman, Bartman. I'm going to link her wiki in my doc or in my resources so you can like look her up. But it's this woman who is like super curvaceous, super bomb, super beautiful. But she was seen as like a circus act. Like what are the, like a freak show. Like that's what, you know what it is? Minstrelsy, entertainment, something to laugh at, subhuman because of her curves. And now you have people modern day who are trying to look like that. Asterisk mark. Like here's something I want to say. Not all black women exhibit that, you know, body type. And that's also something that people say and use to make black women feel bad when they don't conform to a certain aesthetic of what black women are perceived to look like. And that's not fair. But then you have black women, like you have black, white women, like the Kardashians, that, and that's what I can think about the top of my head. Like, I don't know these other random ass influencers, but she had the Kardashians who are like literally trying to morph their bodies into existing and in, in looking like black women to appease their black men. But at the end of the day, like, you're all baby mamas. And that's none of my business, but y'all chose that life. And I just think it's really problematic that, you know, there are so many people who get to participate and exist in black culture and then get to leave it at the end of the day. Um, and another one is grills and wearing teeth designs. That's a black thing, and white people do it, and it's cute. Like, when Kim Kardashian wears her grill, when white people get those, like, diamonds, which I want to get one, but I, I don't know at this juncture in my life if I can afford it. But they get diamonds and crystals on their teeth, and they get grill designs. But when black people do it, it's ghetto. Like, 
I don't get it. And when white people do it, it's cute and it's edgy. Wow. Like, you go, girl. I don't fucking get that. Okay? Okay, so now we're done with aesthetics. And ultimately, there's obviously more to be said. But at the top of my mind, this is what I can think of. So now we're going to jump into Musical.ly. So I'm going to bounce between kind of pop culture and my own personal experiences. Because I went to school in the belly of the beast. (laughs) The belly of the beast meaning white people. So I'm going to be jumping in between different stories and, you know, anecdotes as well as like pop culture references. So hopefully you can ride the wave with me. Okay. So basically my, I don't know if it was my spring quarter, my winter quarter. I don't know. Like everything was a blur trying to graduate because I could care less. So I took a history of hip hop. I took a history of hip hop class and I nicknamed myself in the class Hotep Harriet. (laughs) Because the reason I nicknamed myself that was because it seemed like to everybody else I was saying outlandish things. But what I was really trying to do is advocate for black culture and the black existence and like really gatekeep black culture and be like, nah, no, no, no. And there were two um, biracial, multiracial women in the class and there were two, me being one of them, black women in the class. No, three, five. Okay, there's five of us, okay who were black adjacent present whatever whatever maybe i'm black adjacent i don't know i'm from portland whatever um and i was really just trying to verbalize and say that hip-hop was made and created for black people and no one else and i'm talking about black people across the diaspora like from everywhere but hip-hop is for us it's no it's for no one else and the person who was teaching the class, who was professing, our professor, she deemed herself as Italian-American, which I find really problematic. Okay, and I took a history of whiteness class to really say why that's problematic. And she kept insisting, like, hip-hop was multicultural. And I had to be like, in every turn, I tried to go back, because we had a guest speaker, and I flamed the fuck out of him. And I tried to go back and find the video clip so I could link it, and I couldn't find it. I think they removed it. But he kept trying to say, like... um like black culture is like black or hip hop and black culture is multicultural. And I'm like, no, the fuck it's not like, let's not play this game. And black people across the diaspora include Afro Latino people, Afro Latinx people, Afro Latina people. Like that includes them too. I don't want that to ever be misconstrued, but ultimately it's black. Like, it's black. And why don't we talk about Latin America or South America or Central America as though black people don't exist in those spaces. Like that's that's a whole conversation for another day, but that's something that really bothers me. So I'm saying black the black diaspora across the globe. Um, it, and it's not multicultural, let's not play those games. And I'm here to say that hip hop is unequivocally black and nothing else. Let's stop. Uh, and fuck you, Fat Joe. Fat Joe is a Whiteino who says the N-word. And J-Lo said the N-word too, and that's why I don't fuck with J-Lo. Like, the only good thing she did with Selena, and that's that. That's all I'll give her, because she said the N-word, and I don't care if you're from New York. Don't do that shit. <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm 27 minutes in, and I'm not even halfway done. But are you not entertained? I was going to say it dramatically, but let me let me hop to hip-hop is born out of an era when black people across the diaspora so you have caribbeans you have afro afro latina at latinx um latino i want to make sure i'm being inclusive people who have helped create this genre black americans which are people who come who whose descendants are from people who exist in chattel slavery um, who they come from New York who were experiencing extreme poverty like literally watch any documentary about that time period they were living in ghettos terrible living conditions and then living through a crack epidemic like I think it's Grand Master oh fuck let me look it up because I don't want to get this wrong I need to know I think it's Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five, period. I was close. Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five, like they wrote this song, which honestly, every time that I think about it, I'm like, if this is a not descriptive of black culture, period, no matter what time period, they said, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes you wonder how I keep them going under. And when I think about that line, it's so simple. But it's actually so descriptive of black culture. It is a jungle out there. And sometimes I actually think to myself, how do I not end up killing myself? Like, deadass. How do, how do I not end up taking my life 
and losing my fucking mind of how hard it is to be black in America or be black in the world. But I'm resilient, like, the, and I hate to say the stereotype, and this is for black people, don't, if, if you're of other, don't say this shit to a black person. Black people, to my black people, you're, we're so resilient. We are able to find happiness, find joy, find anything in moments of disparity. Like, we have literally made it through one of the most turbulent experiences in history, and we're still here. Like, I think about my ancestors and I know that they're so happy for me. And that brings me joy. But at the same time, it's like, damn, bitch, it's hard to be black in any era. Now, it's definitely more difficult in, in certain eras. But, like, I don't think it's going to get fucking easier. Um, so, yeah. Like, I think about that song and I'm like, wow. Like, it expresses our pain. In the lyrics, it expresses our pain and our struggle that black people face and continue to face. And it's our medium to express whatever emotion we feel. It's our fucking battle cry. Hip-hop, R&B, and really fucking any genre. Black people have created every genre, almost every genre that there is. And it's been stolen, theft, whatever you want to call it. And every genre, it's our rally, it's our rallying call, it's our battle cry, it's our place to express whatever we're going through. And it's not anybody else's. Okay. So that class was like super hard for me. Um, and I fucking hated it. Sorry about the train, but I fucking hated it. I just couldn't believe that a white person was teaching about, because that's she's that's what it is essentially, was teaching about something so integral to black culture as hip hop and then continuing to call it multicultural. And then there was these two twins, which I called them thing one and thing two because they were so fucking dumb. They did <laughs> they did this presentation on uh, gangster rap, which is like NWA, um, Snoop Dogg, like that era and the like West Coast California rap. They said that the baby was the baby. His homophobic ass was gangster rap. And in the middle of their presentation, I had to come off mic and say, stop. That's not true. Like, let's not play those games. Like, no, don't do that. Like, I had to interrupt their presentation and say, um, what did Kanye say? I'm gonna let you finish, but <laughs> right? Okay, so that um that class was so hard for me. I can't believe I went to that school and I can't believe. Wow. I just have to laugh to, to keep from crying from the pain. Um, <laughs> and then another thing that really bothers me about hip hop, it's part of the first part that bothers me that I mentioned is that people make it, people make it seem as though it's, it's not just a black thing. It, it totally is a black thing that accompanies the black experience. But then in addition to that, hip hop is majorly at this point consumed by white people like white people are the main ones buying the ticket because they have the capital or because it's in price it's not that black people don't have the capital but black people are not like I'm, i spent a hundred dollars for a drake ticket once and i'll never do that shit again i'm not paying i paid 35 dollars for a ticket and that's what i want to pay continue going forward i don't want to pay an exorbitant amount to go see you in concert and i don't want to pay an exorbitant amount for your merch and all this other shit but white people will pay they will pay. And that's who they market to. That's who they cater to. White people are the main consumers of hip-hop, black culture. And because they are, that dictates the success of black artists. And that's problematic as fuck because that means, okay, you're mostly going to you're gonna cater to the people who can get you paid the most. So you don't give a fuck about black people if they're not paying. So you're not going to cater to them. And that's fucked up. So white people are then ruining black people's access and goodness. Like, I think of Meg Thee Stallion. I love Meg Thee Stallion, but unknown make the stein was freak 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 nasty like come on big old freak uh big booty big old cheeks like before she really got mainstream that tell me tell me is it love is it love keep in mind my album is gonna be dropping soon but it's gonna be entertaining so please watch not that i have any musical talent let me just put that out there like pre-Meg before fame and not to say that I don't like her post-fame because I still am rooting for her but that was prime hot girl anyways but I'm just saying like once you start getting white people in your pocket that's who that's what dictates how you move and where you're going and what you're doing and that's really fucked up but I mean it is the way of the world um and for example like no name which is a queen she's opened up a free library to help people get access to readings and books and teachings because I, I think that that's so helpful. She even said that she would not perform again live at concerts, festivals, whatever, because she didn't want white people to sing her songs and say the N-word because that's who goes to the concerts. That's who pays those high-ass fucking concert ticket fees or whatever. 
Um, and she didn't want them saying the N-word, which I'm like, respect. And then you have like Kendrick Lamar, who be saying y'all fucking asses up. Like, man down, where you from, my nigga? Don't say that shit. Like, that's not for you to say. And then he invited a white girl on stage just to embarrass herself to say the N-word. Like, huh? Like, you're dumb, bitch. I would have never done that if I were you. I would have kept my mouth shut. And then you have people like Kendrick Lamar who be saying y'all bitch asses up. But at the end of the day, you're at his concert and you're still saying the N-word. And, and then... Part of me, I'm like, I think that it's really weird that white people really love hip-hop the way they do. But the reason is, and I'm going to try to find the resources, but the the literature to say this, but it's true. White people love hip-hop because it, like, gives them, like, it makes their lives less boring. Like, it's it's not straight-laced, it's not suburbia, but they get to live vicariously through the music and, like, like see what it's like to live as a black person which is super problematic because not every black person lives the way like blackness is not a monolith but only black people like only black people who are different know that blackness is not a monolith so what you're hearing is not an example of how all black people exist and so they have no they have not even a real iota not even an iota of what black people actually experience and if anything it's a fucking mess and the fact they think that they can somehow get like be like dangerous and bad and cool like those fucking lyrics that jesse nielsen said it's like help us jesus fix it jesus and if you're not a domination you don't believe in religion pray for i was gonna say pray for the rapture but pray for an asteroid to hit us and we just implode because i don't know what we can do um because I think one thing in blackness in general, whether it be in music, whether it be an art form, like whatever a medium is, it's a lived experience in linguistics. It's a lived experience. It's not anything you can listen to a song or watch a TV show or read a book. Like it's a lived experience. Just like there are other people's lived experiences who I will educate myself on, but I know that I will never live and I'm here to be an ally, but nobody ever does us that kindness and ultimately i'm not i need to find this quote but it's basically white people want our rhythm but not our blues like nobody actually really wants to be black because if you were black like if you watch lovecraft country when i forget her name but she was basically like really transformed into a white woman due to magic like no one actually wants to experience what's like to be a black person because you know it will fucking suck okay so then why do you continue to engage in our culture that ultimately ends up oppressing us Tell me why ain't nothing but a heart. Like, tell me why ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why. Like, literally, tell me why. I just want to know. I was going to sing another song, but I want to do that to you. Um, And then there's another side. (laughs) Y'all, this is going to be a long one, but I, I have so much to say. Like... I just can't let it go. I was going to sing another song, but I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to be better. Then there's the other side where you have white people who are actively trying to participate in hip hop like Iggy Azalea. Girl, you're Australian. British people came to the land of Australia. I don't know what it was called before that. And fucking obliterated the Aboriginal people there. Really, bitch? And then you're going to come to America and try to note money, note family. 16 in the middle of Miami. That was one of her songs when she first came out. That's not even here nor there. We're not going there. But anyway. And who ultimately has gone. She's now progressed to blackfishing. And now is a baby mom into a black rapper. Playboy Cardi. Okay. Whatever. But has taken the flow. Somehow changed her Australian voice to rap like a black woman. Changed her flow the way she acts and dresses. um, Taking over cultures, music, genre types. And is mad when people don't accept her and don't want her in hip-hop uh yeah okay she even had the audacity to disrespect q-tip on twitter when he called her out about being a cultural appropriator bitch you don't disrespect the greats of hip-hop i'm not here to get into the morality of these people and like what they're doing we're talking about impact here q-tip defended the baby don't know what to say about that okay um and then we have like just the overall theft of black musical culture like black people like i said have made almost every genre but are barred from participating in every genre like Lil Nas X they didn't want him to do country black people made country so Lil Nas X can do country if he wants to do country or like when Beyonce performed Daddy's Little Girls whatever my daddy says shoot whatever that song is I know 
I know I'm fucking up the beehive. I know I'm sorry. But she's singing at the CMTs and people are mad that she was singing at the CMTs with the Dixie Chicks. Like black people are not allowed to participate in the genres that they created. Um, and they're only relegated to hip hop or R&B because that's the Negro genre. Um, that's the nigga genre. That's where we're supposed to be. And even then, like for example, Lizzo. I think that Lizzo is not allowed to be in pop because she is a pop artist. A, because of fat phobia and B, because of anti-blackness. And fat phobia is essentially anti-blackness. Fight your mom about it. So we're only relegated to hip hop and R&B and those are our genres and those are the black genres. But somehow Macklemore won a Grammy for best hip hop album. And actually the Grammys should really forever be canceled from that moment. I mean, they really should be canceled period, but from that moment, they should really be fucking canceled. And then we're, we're gonna get to this. Why do white people and non-black people say the N-word? Tell, tell me why, like, but that's a rhetorical question because I know the answer why. And the answer is two things. White people have been told and shown and feel that everything in the world belongs to them. So, and nothing's off limits. There are no boundaries, especially when it comes to black people. So why not say that word? Why not? It's, it's yours to say, right? Okay, cool. And then the other reason is black people aren't supposed to have anything be theirs. We're not supposed to have anything. We should be lucky that we just even exist, period, right? So why, why should we have anything that makes us feel disrespected, makes us feel less than? Because black people's only purpose in this life and how other people see us, because I don't believe this, not even one one moment is that we only exist as something to consume or to be entertained like to be entertaining towards somebody else we are a living minstrelsy <laughs> for the entire world so how dare we gatekeep words that hurt us and make us feel less than, and represent such a terrible moment and let's just say this we we'll never know how awful slavery was we will never know the depths of what those people went through what my people went through we'll never fucking know so just think about that. That word is tied to such an ugly period of hi in history. And sometimes like I'll just find out about things that happened during, you know, chattel slavery and I'll be like, oh my fucking God, like I cannot believe. So stop. Um, and I, I had one note to say that Drake is a cultural appropriator. He's, he's from Canada. I don't know what to say about that. Okay. Now we're about to move in to linguistics. Um... I like tried to have some points for this, but I couldn't eat outside of stop saying stuff that like, so there are, there are ways and phrases that black people say stuff and that has become mainstream to the point that people just say that it's internet culture, but it's really fucking not. Um, and I think it's because people be spying on black Twitter, which black Twitter is honestly one of the best things to happen to the internet culture, but it sucks that other people steal stuff from black Twitter. Okay. And I just hope you know that when you're speaking African-American vernacular English or black vernacular English, black people are looking at you like, what the fuck are you saying? Because it doesn't make any sense. Like you're not using the words correctly and you sound a fucking hot mess. Um, and another point that I, I have to impart and say is that most like black, a lot of black slang, which is, you need to call it African-American vernacular English. Okay. Most AV and most BVE is it comes from queer and LGBTQIA plus communities as well. Like a lot of this language comes from the most marginalized people, but somehow makes it mainstream. Like one thing that comes from like, one thing I can think of off the top of my head that comes from queer and LGBTQIA culture plus culture is like saying this is giving like that. That's not sure. Don't say that. Um, and then for example, I'm gonna link their stuff too, just so you can see that it's an abomination. It's like kombucha girl or a Landon Romano. Who's this guy who like talks with a what? Like stop with the black sense. Like I knew a girl and, and, um, she was Asian and she spoke with the black scent and I was like, stop, 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 stop. Cause I like, I'm black and I don't even like sound how you're sounding. So stop doing that shit. Um, and then, you know, you have words, phrases like, I finna, I'm finna, I'm gonna, I wanna fleek eyebrows on fleek the fuck, which came from black women have be like, are, are everywhere. Um, but now it's starting to like make its way into mainstream, which is irritating as fuck. Cause they're not even used correctly. And it's just another example of how black culture is some seen as trendy and hip when other people do it. But when black people do it, it's ghetto. And I think, uh, you have words such as lit, woke, bay, wifey, ratchet, 
if you say ratchet as a white person, non-black person of color, extreme side eye, stop. Sis, slay, hella, basic. Straight up, on fleek, I feel you, turn up. Examples. Then I personally took the time to scroll through some of the white profile, white people that I follow on Instagram (laughs) to look at some of their captions. And someone said, feel away. Feel away, feel away, feel away. I stop listening to things you stay because you don't listen anyway. Sorry. Using area codes of phone numbers to identify where you're from. That is a black thing. Um, Lil, instead of saying little, that is a black thing. Wifey, gotta, fits, like instead of saying outfits, fits. Yes, like that's a black thing. Um, so just stop, please. It Like it pains me and it should pain you. Like it pains me. And sometimes when people are speaking ad, they just be stringing together words. Like what, like string together words that are like all ad that don't make sense. Like the equation, it's not mathing. It's not mathing for me. What the fuck are you saying? Like, tell me, please, what are you saying? And then, you know, I think about the flip side of that is when I'm in white spaces, I'm forced to code switch to speak quote unquote proper, proper English. Like some of those words I couldn't even say in a conversation because that's not deemed as professional. That limits my access to opportunities because I'm deemed as ghetto when I say that. So I'm about to do my code switching voice. You can see how I sound when I have to switch it up on folks to be seen as approachable or as seen as someone who's worth having this opportunity given to me. But white people can speak my language and it's applauded and they're so hip and they're so trendy. So fucked up, right? Okay. So basically this whole episode is essentially about how white people and non-black people of color steal and profit from our culture in every aspect. And the only people who are criminalized when they engage in their own culture and pastimes is black people. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like the only people who are harmed from this is black people. And I hate that I even have to equate this to race, but there's some people who don't understand anything unless you equate it to race. So here I'm going to go. So Dave Chappelle has been recently under fire because um, he's made transphobic and homophobic jokes in his comedy special, Surprise, Surprise, Surprise. And I even got into this debate with a mutual, which he's out of strikes, y'all. He's died. Like I, I I text him today. You died on so many wrong kills that you can never make it to the mountaintop. And he died on the Dave Chappelle Hill. And basically, I was just saying, like, even if it's a, here's the thing, even if it's a joke, it's like the same thing as someone, if someone makes a racist joke. Yeah, hardy har har, key, key, key. Okay. But what you're doing is you're instilling and you're amplifying and showing that this person, this group, this marginalized community is treated as other, which reinforces in other people's minds that this person is not even deemed the worth of respect, deemed as a person, deemed as, mm, like, as a part of anything else, they're other. They don't belong here. They're different. Let's ostracize them and make them feel even more different. Like when he, they, you make transphobic jokes, he said he was a turf. Like, whoa, like, whoa. I don't even know how to engage with that. Like, that's just wrong. When you engage in that stuff, you're therefore normalizing that it's okay and that th- where you're coming from and your ideology, your perspective, how you perceive things is correct. And that can translate into other people and therefore, and that can reinforce um, their perspective, how they look at the world, how they see things of that group being othered. And so like, that's why it's really harmful because then how that translates is you have literal violence happening to people. You have Ahmaud Arbery getting shot by white people because they want to gun down a black person. You have Trayvon Martin getting shot by a fucking rent-a-cop who wanted to be a cop, whatever the fuck he is, harming a black boy. Like, what the fuck? You have Sandra Bland dying and looking dead as fucking her mugshot. Like, is that not crazy? Like, I know that people think this is all fun and games, but no, it actually translates to real-life violence for black people. We are the only people who are affected and lose access to opportunity and jobs and employment and housing and resources because of if we participate in our culture. So everybody else can participate in our culture, but we are not allowed to because it will actually mean that harm will happen to us, whether it's access to resources, money, opportunities, our life. That is fucking wild. And black people create culture, period. Across the diaspora, black people create culture. And, and, and 
we participated in it because of similar life experience, similar, similar lived experience. And it's because we have a shared history. We all have a shared history of colonization, imperialism, chattel slavery. While white people are voyeurs in black culture, and once they think they become a mesh, which will never be a mesh, they'll never be a part of it, they then dictate how the culture moves because of their capital. That is fucked up. And because of their power as consumers. And people constantly underestimate the power of black people as consumers. When black people will spend their money on shit when it's fucking right. But if you want some bullshit, you're not getting these coins. Like, I have not gone to see Shang-Chi, and I won't. You're not getting my fucking coins because of the cast. Like, what the fuck? Okay? And then, to be reiterated, black people are only seen as something, not someone, to be consumed and as entertainment value. And that's even seen when we see these videos of unarmed black people being killed in videotape, like um, George Floyd. That's entertainment. That is, that's like trauma porn for people. No black person in their right fucking mind wants to see that, but other people, that's trauma porn to them. Their stories and their lived experiences are sold and that's it, period. Not nobody, not many people. Like, I know that we think that we have empathy, but if you had empathy, your life mission goal would be to, figure out how to make black people and I, I will say non-black non people of color feel and indigenous people make them feel like this world is fucking theirs. If you really had empathy, you would do everything in your power to change the way you see things because it is fucking sick. So when you see those videos of unarmed black people being killed and harmed by police, like that is entertainment. That's a story to be sold, but nothing to actually be done. Nothing. Nobody gets a flying fuck. And in the end, black people will always be harmed. So, as the great notorious B.I.G. said, if you don't know, now you know, nigga. And I implore all of you to look these things up if you didn't know and find ways to change the way that you exist in the world to make other people, black people, feel uncomfortable. I know that that's not at people's forethought or their forefront, but that has to be moving forward because. It makes me super uncomfortable to see white people participate in black culture and non-black people participate in black culture. It makes me really uncomfortable. Like, it makes my skin crawl and it makes me feel powerless. And I've just described in this whole episode why that does so. So, anyways, fuck Jesse Nielsen. Um, and fuck every person who is appropriating black fishing, stealing from black culture. Like, you're harming black people at the end of the day. So, anyways, um, happy Monday. Hope you have a great rest of the week. I'm recording this on Monday, FYI. Um, and yeah, I'll see you in the next episode.